Good morning. My name is Ed Hires, and here's an important message. All the kids are in here today, so remember this. If they finish before I do, you can take them downstairs, and they can run around and do whatever they want. You're welcome to stay. I don't care about noise, but if, if, they're, if they're making you uncomfortable, just feel free to uh, head down to the lower ranks, big TV down there. So... We've been talking about rocks from the bottom of the river. And this is all about when Joshua crossed the Jordan. They were in front of the Jordan. They couldn't get across. Big obstacle. God parted it. They went across, but God said, wait a minute. Get rocks. Big rocks out of the river. Twelve of them. One for each tribe. Pile them up. Because you need to remember this. You need to remember when I miraculously delivered you because, he didn't say this, But here's what it was, because you're going to find times in the future where you're going to wonder where I am, and you need to remember. You need to remember I'm a miracle God. And see, that was, if you read the Old Testament, that was the whole thing about the Israelites. They believed when God did a miracle, and then as soon as tough times came, they turned to idols. They turned to anything else. They doubted their God. And God said, remember, remember those rocks. So we're going to conclude our series today with a message entitled, Faith in What or Faith in Who? See, the Israelites, their faith became more in the what they wanted God to do than God himself. See, one of the keys to walking closely with God is you've got to keep his eye on him. You've got to keep your eyes on him. So let me tell you about that. As a youngster, I was a little rambunctious. So I would wander and occasionally... I would see something I wanted, I would wander toward it. Or I would see someplace I wanted to go, I would wander. And, and I would get there, and I'd look around, and guess who wasn't there? My parents. Because I had wandered. And suddenly, my desire for whatever it was, was replaced by abject fear that I would never see my parents again. But, fortunately for me, fortunately for, for me, my dad would always come looking for me. He would find me. See, and what I learned from that was, if I want to go somewhere, at least keep an eye on my father. So I never get to a point where I am someplace where I don't, where I'm not able to see him. And in this world, it's very easy to get our focus off our Heavenly Father and to get it on an outcome we're trusting him for versus trusting in the God of all outcomes. Micah 7, 7 says this, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Eight years ago, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. As you probably can imagine, we started praying a lot. And we were believing for her to be healed. And she was. But what if that wasn't the outcome? 11 years ago, I lost one of my best friends, Tom Murphy. He he had cancer take him away. He was an avid Jesus lover and a gentle man of few words. But when he spoke, his words were usually worth listening to. So as we start our time together, I'm asking Mrs. Murphy, Tom's wife, to come up and join me. And we're going to talk. Oh, good. You're going to do that. Thank you. That's your chair, Maddie. Maddie said, make sure I have water and tissues. So there you go. 
Hi, Maddie. Hello, Ed, and good morning, Shiloh family. So, I have to say something right up front. Okay. Oh, boy. So, Ed's been coaching me, so uh, if I get off track, he will rein me back in. And so, you're all safe, and... uh, But here's the foreword that I want to give you. What I'm sharing today is my testimony. It's not a plan on how to get through grieving over a lost loved one. It's my testimony. And each one of us is unique in God's eyes, and he deals with each one of us in the specific way that we need. So please keep that in mind. Okay. And uh, when Maddie said I'm coaching her, I only coached her in things about how she would present, not, nothing about the answers that she will give. So, Maddie, a few words to describe Tom before he was saved. Okay, he was very driven. He worked for IBM, very driven in his job to the point where he forgot he had a family. So, we had a rough go of it, especially the last four years that we lived in New Jersey. He was working in Manhattan. We never saw him. I felt like I was a widow. He was never there. And uh, so that was pretty much. And how about after he was saved? Well, (laughs) he had a dramatic conversion experience four months after I did. And um, I like to think that I had a little part to play in his coming to Jesus, but I recognize now it's all God's doing. And uh, so anyway, once he came to know the Lord, I mean, his, he was a different man. Uh, we just, I had almost divorced him twice before that. And once he came to the Lord, I was walking with the Lord. It was like we were on our second honeymoon. And it was just Hallelujah. by the grace of God. So I know that uh, that when you go through these type of things, they're really tough. But what was um, an an idea of how was your reaction? When Tom first was diagnosed with prostate cancer, if you can remember, what was like that first initial, what happened immediately after that diagnosis? Okay, so December 7th, 2007, we were both at work. He had his own company. I worked for the company. He was in his office. I was out in the main area. He called me into his office and said, close the door. And right away I knew, okay, this can't be good. So he tells me that he just got the call from the doctor saying he had prostate cancer. And I look at him and I said, they made a mistake. You're healthy. You know, they've got the wrong guy. Everything's going to be fine. That was... And he was kind of not quite as convinced as I was, but, you know, we were kind of on the same page. And so, so we left the office that day, and we started, each one of us individually, to pray about the situation. And after two days, we said, okay, we've got to come together. We held hands. We prayed. And in the course of the prayer, we both felt like, How do we handle this? And what came to both of us individually, we need to surrender both of our lives to God. He's our father. He's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan. It may not be the plan I want or you want, but we're going to go with it. 
And so that was the decision we made. So you made that decision. I know you guys have tremendous faith. But tell me a little bit about, it was a long process from when this started, and it wasn't an easy process. Tom went through a lot. He failed hospice twice, uh, which, uh, you know, I told him, you can't even get hospice right. And uh, (laughs) some of the emotions you went through, because I know you had faith, but what were some of the days, some of the emotions that you dealt with during this time? Well, you know, when you have a spouse, he's part of you, you're part of him, If he's hurting, you're hurting. And so I felt like I was suffering as much as he was. Not physically, but emotionally. And I mean, I I just can't even get into all the different phases that we went through during this time. And it was hard. It was hard. But, you know, I have to say, looking back, God was there every step of the way. And he was carrying us. He was carrying us, and uh, so that's pretty much. And so in the midst of this horrible situation, Tom's sick, he's going through all this, but he had times to minister to so many people, right? Give us just a sense of a couple of things that went on during that time. Well, you know, (laughs) he was kind of a miracle in just the way he handled his whole Mm. sickness. I mean... People were constantly in his office, you know, talking about his condition, and he was so upbeat, and, oh, my mouth is getting dry. Hold on. I get very nervous up here. Don't be nervous. We all love you. So, um, and you know, so many times you hear people ask the question, why me? God's question was, why not me? It wasn't a question. He was just saying, why not me? And God used him in so many ways during his illness. And not even with the people around him, but with me. He taught me so much in how he was dealing with his situation. And, you know, the other amazing thing was when you know that there's a good chance you're not going to get the miracle that you're hoping for, It helps you to recognize the presence of God in the midst of the challenge. And your relationship with the Lord is increased so many times just because you're in a bad place, in a hard place, I should say. So lots of tears during that time. Lots of times of uh, believing and hoping this whole thing would turn around. But it didn't. It didn't. So here you sit... 11 years later. So as you look back, Maddie, I want to talk about you. What, what has happened in your life? You lost a husband that you loved dearly, that you relied on, that was the real leader of the household. Suddenly, there you are. Tell me about your life 11 years later or on the course of that 11 years. Okay, so I've come to realize since I lost Tom Um, God has a plan for each one of our lives, and I've kind of come up with this idea, which I'm sure was the Lord revealing this to me. We go through phases in our lives. So the first phase of my life, my whole life, childhood, I wanted to be a wife and a mother and a homemaker, and I wanted to raise a family. That was my aim, my goal, not a lofty goal, but for me, that's what I wanted, And so God saw fit to it that that's what I did. So until my husband passed away, 
I was a wife, I was a mother, but my children had all grown, they were all independent, they did not need me like they used to, and all of a sudden my husband's gone. So I'm like, who am I? I'm not a wife. I'm, I'm still a mother, but I'm not nurturing children anymore. I do have a bundle of grandkids, thank the Lord, except they all live too far away for me to nurture them until 10 years ago. Anyway, so that was my big question. God, who am I? And do you know that for the first time since I've been a believer, 43 years it was the first time that I truly felt like I am a daughter of God. That was my new identity. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. So my prayer was, okay, God, I'm yours. I'm all yours. I'm nobody else's right now. So tell me what you want from me. And basically, he, you know, he comforted me in my grief. And so my new phase two was reaching out to widows everywhere, widows and single women. And I do believe one of my, my most primary spiritual gift is encouragement. And I felt like God was telling me, you need to get out there and encourage others that are suffering uh, the same way that you have suffered, and it's been amazing. He's put people in my lives, and I feel like I have a purpose again, you know, now that I don't have a husband and my children are grown. But I have a lot of my grandkids live, live nearby now, so I can minister to them as well. So one of the things as we conclude, Maddie, that you said that I thought was really interesting and certainly not the reason why Tom's not here, but a result that God brought about, that you said you never would have done the things you've done. You never would have been doing the ministry you're doing if you were still married to Tom. This really was a time where you found out your ministry versus just supporting Tom in his ministry. Yes, because when, when Tom was around... You know, this is kind of sad to say, but he was like the main attraction, okay? I mean, he was. He was funny. He was kind. He was gentle. He was wise. He, he was everything, okay? And I was like a bump on a log next to him. So, you know, it's, I'm just telling you the truth. This is how I felt. So once, once he was out of the picture... And this is another thing. You know, we all love to say Jesus is number one in my life. Well, I'll be honest. I'll make a confession. Tom was number one in my life. He was the only man I ever had in my life. I know you're not going to believe this, but I never even kissed another man. Okay? So we were one. We were one. And so all of a sudden, he's gone. So, again, where does that leave me? So that's when I truly felt Jesus is number one. He's the only one I have left, and he's all I need. Amen. Thank you, Madeline. Am I done? You did a great job. You're done. That was good. Thanks, Maddie. So I love that, except for the end part. Barbara, don't listen to any of that. Just kidding. You see, more than anything else, Satan wants you to lose your trust in God. 
He wants you to lose your faith in who Jesus was and still is. So I put this up on the overhead. Satan wants to have you feel disappointed by God, or he wants you to feel God is disappointed in you. He wants you to feel like God doesn't really love you and that you're not who the Bible says you are. One of the ways he does this is by getting us to trust more in a specific outcome than the God who is the God of all outcomes. He wants you to start asking questions like, where were you, God? Why did you allow this to happen, God? Colossians 2, 6-7 says, And now just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. See, in the Greek, that word uh, trust has this element to it, and it means this, to take refuge. But it's not just to take refuge. The Greek has so many fine, fine-tuned definitions. It means to take refuge, but only after thought. It, it infers that this is not something you do rashly or, or quickly, that it takes time to build this. See, trusting God takes focus, intentionality, and it takes just time and experience. The psalmist said in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Another scripture that, that you and I, most of you here know, some of you probably can even quote where it is in the Bible out of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways submit, submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, when we receive the outcome we want, we're, we're great. You know, God is good. He's there. You know, he hears my prayers, but, but then... What happens when he doesn't? What happens when things turn out differently than you and I had hoped, like it did in Maddie's situation? Do we find ourselves when something bad happens? Are we tempted to say, God, where are you? See, God's response to your prayers and my prayers is always amazing, awe-inspiring. It's miraculous. But sometimes his outcome and your expectations don't match. And that's where God says, trust me. Paul asked to be delivered from whatever it was was tormenting him. And God said, nope. Well, he did. I want one word. He said, no. Okay. He said to Paul, no. He said, and, and, and the Apostle Paul then said, okay, I'm going to praise God for my infirmities, my outcomes that don't end up being what I expected, for the outcomes that are tough, that are painful. Why? Because God told him that in those moments when he chooses to respond that way, that his strength would work in Paul and work through Paul. And guess who else God said no to? Jesus. Okay, somebody's writing an email right now. All right. The night before his crucifixion, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, 
not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus asked God to change a situation because of the outcome he was facing. But God did not. Does this mean that God isn't good, that he didn't really love Jesus? Of course not, right? Jesus continued to walk with God in his will, even though his prayer was answered with a no. As a result, Jesus is glorified above all and is the salvation of all mankind. What are the rocks in your life that remind you where and when God has come through for you? Where you knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was in your corner. Those are the rocks that we need to remember, that you need to remember when you find yourself in a place you never thought you'd be, where things aren't fair, where you've lost the sense that God loves you, or that you're out from under his protection. See, God says to you and me, wherever we are in life, whatever is happening, trust me. You know, as a parent, you'll probably identify with this if you're a parent. Here's what I would, some things I would say to my kids. Trust me, it'll turn out okay. Trust me, you can do this. Trust me, you have nothing to be afraid of. Trust me. Better days are coming. Trust me, there is more to the story than you can see right now. And guess what? Your heavenly father says those exact same things to you. When we learn to trust God without boundaries, life becomes what God intended it to be for us, a life controlled by peace and by joy. Outcomes can change in a moment. In a moment, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love a number of Christian songs. I love songs in general, but I love a number of Christian songs. And I find that there are those songs that just have this anointing on them uh, that, that is just, in my mind, powerful and strong. Lauren Daigle did a song recently called Thank God I Do. And it's one of those songs. Here's the, the ver- a couple, just a couple of the verses. There's nothing missing When you were by my side, I took the long road, but now I realize I'm home. You're my safe place, my hideaway, my anchor, my saving grace. You're my constant, my steadiness. You're my shelter, my oxygen. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. Thank God I do. I'm going to share some final thoughts with you, and I'm going to ask Jaden Syverson, our local Lauren Daigle, to come up. And Lauren, uh, Lauren, uh, Jaden is going to share that song with you in just a moment. Now, this is important. These final uh, closing thoughts are important. It's a pretty quick message today because of a number of things that we had in our service. To detach from outcomes doesn't mean you stop caring. It doesn't mean that you don't boldly continue praying for specific things. What it does mean that you and I no longer live in the fear of what if. Or we lose faith when things don't go our way. Living this way frees us, frees you to place ultimate trust in God's provision, no matter what the outcome. See, our natural tendency is to put faith in something tangible, like an outcome. Because we can't really visibly see God, 
or touch God, it requires more trust to believe in him and in whatever process he has for you to go through. See, the marvelous thing about trust is that when we practice it consistently, trusting God consistently, and clearly God comes to us in a powerful way, he becomes more real, more real, more tangible. Christ feels closer at those times, and you feel and you hear his voice so much clearer. See, if you're here today and the outcome you want has not come about or the outcome you wanted never came about or maybe you're in a very hopeless situation and you can't imagine how it could ever work out as you would like it, God wants you to know this. He's still working. He didn't miss your prayers. He wants you to experience the freedom of trusting in him and leaving all of life's outcomes to him. Is today your day to think back on those rocks in your river? The things God has mercifully done for you in days gone by? Have you been struggling with some of the outcomes in your life? Have you been hurt? Have you been severely or significantly disappointed? Do you sometimes feel that maybe God doesn't love you the way you thought? Well, as Jaden sings this song, I want to challenge you for something. When, when God gives a message to the person sharing it, I, I've seen this over and over. He does that because of a specific series of needs he knows will be coming in this Sunday. And, and this whole issue of, of the faith and outcomes, carrying the burden of that, Losing, losing the, the direction of trusting God and believing God does love you. He has the best for you, but sometimes we just have to wait. We have to trust God. So here's my challenge to you. If you've missed some of those rocks in the river, if you've lost sight of that, I'm going to invite you while Jaden sings to come up and to, to start today a new level of trusting God. I want you to lift the burden of what is it that you're carrying that is just weighting you down when God just says, trust me. The reason you come forward is to make a statement. To make a statement not only to God, but to you. That makes this day special. So as you hear this song, if that's you, would you come? And I will tell you this. I will kneel first because I know in my life there are still things I'm holding on to and I need to just trust God for those. So, Jaden.
trying to fight my fears alone so long I've started breathing, the weight is lifted, yet with you it's easy, my head is finally clear, there's nothing missing, when you are by my side, I took the long but now I Jesus, yes. Thank you, Jesus. You know, as I'm praying here, I'm going to tell you the reason why I came up. Because I'm really results-oriented. If I set my mind to do something, I want to get it done. And I'm not happy until I get it done. And, And I kind of pray the same way. God, if I'm going to pray, then I expect to see results. I expect you to show up. And you know, there's something really freeing about God owns the outcome. We don't own the outcome. You know, and what it does is it gives me faith to believe where 
hey, you know what? It's not me that's going to do the healing, right? When Jesus had compassion on people, he just prayed for them. And it was up to God. What, God, what was God going to do? Now, you know, Jesus had that remarkable uh, record that everybody he laid hands on got healed. It's, it causes my faith to increase to know that God owns the outcome, that I can pray in faith believing and not worry about it. No worry. You know, if you don't get healed, that's God's problem. That's not my problem. So I just want to, I want to take a bold step. I I felt like God challenging me here today. If you have prayer needs in your life and you want to see God do them, I want to believe for that. And I'm going to trust God for the outcome. Would you join me in trusting God for the outcome? But if, if you have a need for physical, for mental, for emotional, for whatever your need would be, would you just stand where you are? I want to pray a prayer as we close. And I want to believe God for whatever miracle you need. And we're going to leave the outcome to God. That's the beautiful thing about it. See, we can pray in greater faith now because it's God that answers the prayer. So, Father, I speak a word now, Jesus. I speak your name, Jesus, to each situation, Lord, because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, every demon has to flee, every sickness has to go. In Jesus' name, Lord, I speak healing, I speak deliverance, I speak wholeness to every situation. I speak your intervention, God, to every situation. God, we believe, Lord Jesus, in your word, we believe in your resurrection power that it's here today, God. So come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, minister as only you can, and God, we give the outcome to you. It's not our, Lord, we trust you, and we thank you, God. We praise you. So we receive all that you want to do in our lives, God. We have the faith to believe, Lord, that you own the outcome. It's not up to us. So we speak your name, Jesus, to every situation, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. If you're here and you want more prayer, please feel free to come down. We've got a prayer team that'll be here to pray with you. And if you could help us all out as we prepare for kids camp, could you stack the chairs six or eight high for us? That would be wonderful. Thank you so much.